Um, and it is wonderful to be with you guys this morning. Thank you so much. As you know, we are in the middle of a series on prayer. And, you know, being in this series, we are going to be discussing a subject this morning that I feel is very important for believers to understand. There is a few things pertaining to this subject specifically that many Christians don't have understanding on. It's not that they're not aware of it, it's that they don't have understanding. And what's, you know, without understanding, you know, we, we perish. Without vision and understanding, we struggle. And we need to have understanding. The Bible says that we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. And we know that the Bible tells us that the devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus came so that we could have life and life more abundant. So I'm excited this morning. We're going to be talking on the subject of spiritual warfare. Now, the thing about this subject is, I mean, I've done, I think, an eight-part series on spiritual warfare. So to try and do spiritual warfare in one session is pretty much impossible. So what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to try and relate it to you personally. And we're going to sort of touch on the foundations of spiritual warfare. I'm going to say a few things initially just to give you an idea of how intense spiritual warfare can be. And I want you to understand that as a believer, it's not a matter of whether you're in spiritual warfare or whether it's happening, it's whether you're participating or not. But it's, it's happening. You're in a spiritual war, and there are clearly two kingdoms, and I'll show you that in just a moment. But it is important that you as a believer understand that God has equipped you and empowered you to be able to stand against every attack of the enemy. Again, we're going to talk about it on a very foundational level in the sense of I want to teach you how to deal with your mind. Because one of the areas that the enemy will attack you is in your mind. And sometimes, you know, if you know your authority, you can deal with it quickly. But sometimes it requires some warfare. It requires some extra. Everybody say extra. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with a little extra every now and then. So it's important for us at times to enter into warfare, even in our minds, over our own personal lives. And this can extend from your personal self all the way to your family, to your business, to whatever it is that you participate in in the week, in your life, to our city, and to our nation. We know the Bible teaches us about Daniel, how Daniel was seeking the scriptures about what God had promised in his word through the prophet Isaiah and Jeremiah specifically, and you read about how he was seeking the Lord concerning these things. And the Bible tells us that he set his heart to seek the Lord for 21 days. He separated himself. And on the 21st day, an angel came and appeared to him. And it's the most amazing story. And, and the angel says to him, from the very first day that you began, that you started to seek the Lord, that there was a spiritual war that began to take place in the heavenlies. This spiritual war was activated by Daniel in prayer. So prayer is probably one of the most foundational or, let me say, sort of easy to understand places where spiritual warfare will take place in the life of a believer. The one place that you will do warfare is in prayer. 
So let's get into it this morning. Amen. I am also doing a podcast on Thursdays at the moment. We started part one of deliverance. And while we're on the subject of spiritual warfare this week, I would encourage you to go and listen to last week's because this week we'll be doing part two of that. So it kind of works hand in hand. Let's go to Matthew 12, verse 22. We'll start there this morning. I want to show you a clear divide between two kingdoms. Then one was brought to him, this is to Jesus, who was demon-possessed, blind and mute, and he healed him so that the blind and mute men both spoke and saw. I want to stop by saying this just real quick, just an observation. A demon-possessed person was brought to Jesus. That spirit was cast out of that individual, and he was healed from sickness. There are some situations where spirits or demon spirits are the cause for infirmities. Not always, obviously, but there are certain times where a spirit can inflict a person even to illness. He says in verse 23, And all the multitude were amazed and said, Could this be the son of David? And when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. But Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to dissolution. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. And this is important because we see a few things here. The first thing we see is that there is clearly two kingdoms. The kingdom of darkness, the kingdom of Satan, and the kingdom of God. And what happened is Jesus appeared on the earth. The kingdom of God was being established on the earth through the life of Jesus. We know that before Jesus, there was no deliverance. There was no warfare at this level, on the ground level like this. And so Jesus came and released the kingdom as he was on the earth. And he's saying that, listen, Satan is not going to cast out Satan. Are you with me? He also says that a kingdom divided against itself cannot stand. So I want you to understand that within you as a human being, which is really the first place warfare will take place, warfare, deliverance, whatever you want to call it, you must understand that when there's division and conflict, eventually there's going to be a problem. It will not eventually stand. Are you with me? So it's important that you begin to, you know, seek the Lord and and begin to have victory in your life. Otherwise, you cannot serve two masters because you will either love the one or hate the other. Eventually, there's going to be an issue within, within the human being, within the person. Are you with me, guys? All right. So clearly, we can see that there are two powers. It's very, it's very important for me this morning that you understand one thing. There's like three or four things I want you to leave with. And this is the one thing that many Christians don't understand. And I don't know if it's because it's been taught differently or if, if, if I don't understand why, but the Bible tells us this very clearly. Let's go to Colossians 2 verse 15. Colossians 2 verse 15. This is talking about Jesus. It says, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over over them in it. So Jesus 
We know when Jesus died and he went into the lower parts of the earth, he disarmed the enemy. He stripped, the word disarm there means to strip naked, to literally strip naked the enemy. So all his weaponry and armory was stripped of him. He had nothing left. Jesus made a spectacle of him and, and basically threw a party and put them on display and said, look, this is the enemy and he has been defeated. Are you with me? Jesus has defeated the enemy. The thing is, what we must also understand is that the only time that the enemy can operate in our lives is through legal ground. So the only time the enemy can have his way in our lives is when we give him legal ground. Other than that, he's already been stripped. When you're in Christ, you're a new creation. Only through things that we allow, sin, false doctrine, different things, witchcraft, stuff like that, they allow the enemy to operate in our lives through a legal authority. Does it make sense? So I want you to understand that Jesus has stripped the enemy of authority and we now as Christians, believe it or not, have been given authority over the enemy. This is very powerful. This is extremely important because many Christians are like, well, you know, I just, I don't know, you know, that demon that came in the night just went bump, bump, and I was just too scared of that one, and, you know, I'm just, I'm just a little insy-bitsy big Christian, and I just, you know, I can't deal with that spirit. That one's just too powerful for me. Well, I don't really understand that because biblically that doesn't make sense, and I'm going to show you that this morning. Remember, the Bible says, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions. Serpents and scorpions is not snakes and little scorpions. It's talking about spiritual forces. It's talking about demonic spirits. He says, I give you authority to trample, to step on serpents and scorpions. And then he says this, and over all the power of the enemy. Listen, it doesn't matter what translation you use. They all say the same thing. All the power of the enemy. That means that as a believer, you have been given authority to take authority over the enemy. I, I, so many Christians find this so hard to believe. You're in a spiritual battle. You have to know how to fight in the spirit. But what you must not fail to realize is that you have authority over the enemy's power. You bad, you. That's in a good way, you know? Like, you know, we say, he's bad, you know? You are bad, guys. You are dangerous. You are a threat to the enemy. I remember as a child being so afraid of the devil. I mean, you can, my parents are sitting in the front here. Welcome back, guys. Good to have you here. <laughs> and um, they can tell you how afraid I was as a child. I was so scared of like things and, I mean, I literally was attacked as a child. Now as an adult understanding my authority, 
I don't think the enemy wants to come near my house. And the reason why is because he knows that I understand my authority. I want you to understand something. It's my authority that's been, it's been given to me, but it's not in my name or my abilities. It all comes from above, from Jesus. Every time I do anything, it's almost like I've been given a power of attorney. This power of attorney that has been given to me gives me the right to use his power and his authority. Amen. Now, let me show this to you in a way that will make sense to you. I'm sure most of you in the room have read about the armor of God, how we have been given weaponry. But what many fail to do is read the first part of the armor. What it actually tells us, and this is so important because you must grasp this today. Let's go to Ephesians 6 verse number 10 where he starts talking about the armor. And you can see this because he's about to come to a conclusion. He says, finally, my brethren. In other words, finally. This is now the next point. This, this is a very important point. Finally, my brethren. He's addressing everybody. He says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Because the English language is such a poor language, this verse just doesn't get justice in the English language. We have to look at it in the Greek to get the fullness and power of what Paul is really trying to tell us here. Because he's about to tell us about our armor, about our weaponry against the enemy, but he starts off by saying, listen, finally my brethren, what I'm about to show you right now is like the most important part, okay? He says, be strong in the Lord. The word be strong is one Greek word that's basically like two words as well. It's, it's the Greek word endunamu, endunamu. And it basically is two compound words. I'm gonna try and go through this as basically as I can. And en basically means in. So en means in, it's finally a Greek word that sounds English, isn't it awesome? Okay, and then dunamis, dunamis is dunamis power. Dunamis is the word power. So he's saying in strength or in power, so be strong, be in power, be in strength, be empowered. This power is not a normal power. Dunamis power is miraculous power. So he's saying that this miraculous power, this be strong in the Lord. The only way that you can have any authority, any power, any spiritual activity that you can participate in and actually make a difference has to be in Christ. Because he says in the Lord. So he says be strong in the Lord. So be empowered, be equipped, be dunamis, be given dunamis power in the Lord, no other way, are you with me? And this is, this is very important because you must understand that outside of Christ, you do not have any power. But in Christ, in the Lord, you are given power. Now, when do you get given power? I'm so glad you're asking so many questions this morning. Let's go to Acts 1 verse number 8. So we're Christians, we're in Christ, we have to now receive power. How do we get it? Watch. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. 
And you shall witness to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, as a believer, as a Christian, if you are a Christian, you must be empowered. You must receive dunamis. This is what every believer is supposed to do. When? Right in the beginning. Why? Because you have to be a witness. You have to preach the gospel. You have to share the message of Jesus. And in order for you to be able to be a true witness, a martyr, someone that can display and demonstrate who Jesus truly was by giving your life, you have to do the same things that he did. You have to have that power. And the only way you can get that power is in Christ by the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit will empower you. He will give you dunamis. He will give you miraculous power. For what reason? Oh, so glad. Let's have a look. All right. He says, you shall receive. Let's go back. Finally, my brethren, Ephesians 6.10. Ephesians 6.10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power. But now we've already seen the word power. Now he gives us another word power. This time he's using a different Greek word. This Greek word is, for power is called kratos. And kratos basically speaks of a rule, of a strength, of a power. This power is very intense. Let me give you an example of where it's used in scripture. Hebrews 2.14. In as much then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he, this is Jesus, might destroy him who had the power, this word power is kratos. So there was one who Jesus destroyed who had the power of death or over death. And who's that? That was the devil. So Jesus, when he died on the cross, went down into the grave, stripped the enemy of his kratos, of his power over death. And he has now taken that power, and watch this, he is giving that power, that authority to use that power to you. How do I know this? Because he says so. Let's go back to Ephesians. Just hang with me. Are you guys okay? He says, finally, my brethren, be strong, dunamis, in the Lord, and in the power, in the kratos, of his might. The word might there is the word iscus, which speaks of strength. In other words, listen to me. Everything you need as a Christian is found in Christ. And when you are in Christ, the Holy Spirit will give you power. That power will equip you and give you kratos power, which is power to even bring the dead to life. That power also that will release a strength to you to be able to take on any enemy. Oh, I need to say that again. Listen, not some evil, not some enemy, any enemy. There is no thought, there is no strategy of Satan, there is no plan of the enemy that God has not already made a way for you to escape. There is no force in hell or on this earth that can stop you from fulfilling the purpose and plan that he has for you because he has equipped you with every kind of power necessary. Every kind of power. Now watch, 
All of this just to tell you that you're about to get some armor. But you must understand, if you don't realize, finally, my brethren, be strong, be empowered, be dunamis, miraculous power. Be strong in the Lord and the power, the kratos of his might, his strength. Do you realize what's on you if you're in Christ? Well, you know, Pastor Alex, I'm a little bit scared, you know, and I have a little bit of fear at night. I understand fear, trust me. I know what it's like. But fear has an enemy. Oh, fear has an enemy, guys. And his name is Jesus. And when you realize who it is that is your God, that you're in covenant with, that you've been given a power of attorney to operate on his behalf, according to his will, for his purposes, no weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. Amen. Now, I've already showed you, before we continue, it's very important for me that you understand Jesus' authority and that you understand as a believer in Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, what your authority looks like. So we'll stay in Ephesians, but let's go to Ephesians 1, 19. Ephesians 1, 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power? He's using all those words, kratos, dunamis, iskis, he's using them all again, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, now watch, and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Where is he seated? Look, far above. Everybody say far above. All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. There is no doubt whether you theologically want to argue or not, whether, whether this age is the age that they're talking about or the one to come, you are included. You are included. In other words, if your theology believes that the age they're talking about is the millennial age, you'll have authority then. If you believe that the age that they're talking about, the age to come, is the age we're in now, well, guess what? This power is working towards you. You know, this is such good news. This is such great news. You can speak to that suicide. You can speak to that fear. You can speak to that poverty. You can speak to that spirit. You have authority to do so. In the mighty name of Jesus, you have authority to do so. You don't have to fear any little thing that goes bump in the night. I remember when I arrived in the U.S., I was like, man, let's do warfare. Let's, we're just gonna, we're gonna do this thing. And I heard, you know, you can't pray against that spirit because that one, you know, you don't have the grace for that. I'm thinking, what are you talking about? 
What do you mean I don't have the grace? The Bible says I've been given authority over all the power, not some of the power. The problem is not theology. The problem is this thing here between the eyes. I don't have the faith. I don't believe that God's word is true. His word is true. Did you hear what I said? Somebody, somebody help me. His word is true. His word is true. It's true. It doesn't matter whether you Pentecostal, Baptist, charismatic, whatever you are, His Word is true. It trumps any denomination. It trumps any theology. His Word is true. That's why I like His Word so much, you know. The prophet said it's like a fire that's shut up in my bones. It's like a hammer. That word is powerful and it cuts through everything, anything. The only problem is not inside, it's on top. (laughs) Now watch. Which he worked, verse 20, Ephesians 1, verse 20. Which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above. Principalities, powers, might, dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. Well, that's not really referring to the church. That's speaking of Jesus. Yes, I know. But the Bible also says that we have been seated with him. So when we are seated with him and we are in him, that means that I can look down. And when I look down, I see principalities. I see powers. I see rulers of darkness. I'm not looking up. I'm looking down. Why? Because spiritually and positionally, if I am in Christ and I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit, I am seated above these forces. Not underneath them, above them. Now, You can't be messing around in your life and doing all kinds of bad things and think you're gonna go take on the devil. Because now you've you've given him authority to attack you. So don't for one minute I'm saying that you can just, listen, you can be ugly and do something about it, but stupid is forever. Amen. Someone's going to rebuke me for that one. That's okay. Listen. What's important, that's why the armor is so important because there's a breastplate. The breastplate is righteousness. That's not your righteousness because if it was your righteousness, that breastplate would have holes in it. It would not withstand. It would not be shiny and bright. It would not achieve what it needs to achieve. It is his righteousness. So you put on his righteousness, but the Bible teaches us something about righteousness. The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. But Pastor Alex, I thought you just said, I've got the righteousness of Christ. Yes, you do. However, you should still first seek to live right before him. You see, let me explain it like this. 
a new Christian, when he gets saved, will still struggle with lots of sin because their whole, their mind has to be renewed. It has to be changed. They have to grow. A more mature Christian like Paul will tell you that he has a thorn in his flesh. A new Christian will think, well, maybe that thorn is something really bad. But someone that understands where Paul is, which I think very few of us will ever really understand, including myself, a thorn could be a very little thing. But his desire was always to walk uprightly. He says, not that I have attained, not that I have already attained. He realized that, listen, he's still got a long way to go. So he always sought to, work, to walk righteously before God, but understood that he was righteous. Are you with me? So important. Okay. Help me, Jesus. Okay. Just because of the time. Take your time, Pastor Alex. All right. <laughs> okay. So you must understand that as a believer that is filled with the Spirit, that understands their authority, you don't have to be afraid of the enemy. Okay? Obviously, you, again, you want your life to be right, but at the, at the entry level, at the ground level, which we're going to talk about this morning, the first place spiritual warfare begins is in your mind. That's the first place you will have to do warfare. And when you understand spiritual things, Jesus said, you speak to the mountain and it'll move. And that's what you'll do. You'll speak to it. You'll command it to go, and the enemy will leave when he attacks you. But there will be some times where it, it, the resistance is still there, and something else is required. And we'll get into that this morning. Are you guys okay? Don't worry. We've only got about 45 minutes left. Let's keep going. All right. All right. Now, let's go back to Ephesians 6, verse number 10. Remember what he said, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. There is two things I want you to see. Verse 11, the armor is given to us so that we can stand. Primarily, the picture of the armor, of the armor is one of a defensive stance. I'm able to stand against the attacks of the enemy. Why? Because I have my armor on. I'm going to show you a weapon in just a little while where you can strike the enemy from a distance. 
where you don't need to just rely on your armor. Instead of being defensive, you can become offensive. You can come against the gates of hell. The Bible says, and they will not prevail against it. Let me tell you something. The church, if the church only knew the authority that has been given to her, the church would rise up in this hour and we will surely usher in the second coming of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The church must rise up in the final hour with authority and with power. Everything that we have been called to do and be, man, I want to be a part of that church. I want to see it happen in my lifetime. You must realize he starts off by talking about different levels of demonic forces. He starts with principalities, which suggests to us the highest level that we're aware of, that we're aware of. Let me say that again. Where do we see principality in the Old Testament? When Daniel was praying, Daniel's praying, and an angel goes into conflict with what he calls the prince of Persia. That's not a human being. That's a spiritual force. The prince or principality of Persia is what we call principalities. The armor is there for you to engage in battle whew, against principalities. Now, again, I'm not saying everybody must go out tonight and start fighting principalities. But I want you to know that that has been given to the church. Who else is gonna do it? So there's different levels. The highest level seeming to be principalities, powers, rulers of darkness, spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. I want you to recognize that the devil and his cohorts are well organized. So God says, listen, you need some armor so that you can withstand against all these forces that will come against you. Verse 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor that you may be able to withstand. There we see the word stand again. In the evil day. And having done all to stand. So you can see that there is no doubt that as a believer... Don't think that it's gonna be rosy and sunshine every single day. As a believer, there is going to be an onslaught against you to kill, steal, and destroy. Listen, when you were not saved, you were already dead. You might have been alive in the flesh, but in the spirit, you were dead. Now you're alive, and the enemy wants nothing more than to kill you and destroy you. You must recognize that for what it truly is. The enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. Oh, well, you know, being a Christian's hard. No, you're finally alive. Now you're in the battle. Now you're in the battle. Now you're in the war. And the Bible doesn't teach us that it's going to be rosy and sunny every day. What it does tell us is in the midst of the fire, there are shoes that have been prepared for the gospel of peace. Those shoes you can put on and those shoes of the Roman soldier had spikes in them that they were able to stand against any onslaught, against any attack and even use those shoes to aggravate the devil because they had spikes on them. 
The Bible says that he shall surely crush Satan under your feet because you will have the shoes of peace on your feet. Listen, there is nothing. <laughs> it's like I'm not allowed to come forward because my mic cuts out, so I'm going to stay over here. But I really want to come down because I want to look you eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> there is nothing that frustrates the devil more than when a Christian gets hit with an attack and he's still praising God. There is nothing more aggravating for the devil than a Christian that says, I believe your word is true. Even though I suffer persecution, even though I suffer trials and tribulation, I'm still going to stand. I'm still going to stand. Come on, somebody. That's why we need the full armor of God. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, I'm just giving you little pieces. I can't do it all. There's just no way. Amen. Are you guys getting something out of this? I'm going to read through them. It's going to be so hard not to preach them. <laughs> so he says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand even in the evil day. And having done all to stand, you must recognize, you must recognize, I want to say it one more time, that there will be an attack. But we have become passive in the war. That's why the world looks at us and goes, Oh, it's too hard. It's not too hard. The victory is so sweet when a sinner comes to Jesus. When a family member comes to Jesus, there is no greater victory. Listen, as a pastor, let me tell you something. That what makes it worth it is the salvations and the deliverances and seeing people's lives change. That's what makes it worth it. When you see someone that was in darkness come to light, when you see a broken family get healed, when you see a broken heart get restored, it makes it so worth it. See, that's why Paul said, listen, you can have all the gifts but if you don't have love, you have nothing. In other words, you've missed it. If you don't have love. I think I'm just starting to learn about that love. He says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth. Your, your word, you have to be grounded and, and stand in the truth of God's word. It's a belt that holds all the armor together. You can have faith, you can have a sword, you can have a helmet, you can have everything, but if you do not have the truth in you, the Bible says if, there is, if the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? That darkness represents what is not true. So the belt that holds all the armor together is the truth of God's word. 
Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, I shared that with you already. Having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, I've shared that with you. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. Faith, the, the shield of the Roman soldier was the most amazing piece of armor that they would all use together. Oh. If you see a, a Roman soldier, what they would do is they would put the shield down and they would be able to go under it and it would cover the entire body. But what's even more beautiful than that picture is the Roman soldiers, what they would do is they would, they would do a cry and all the soldiers would come together and they would put their shields as one and they would begin to attack the enemy as one and no spear or arrow could do it. That's why the Bible says, one will set a thousand to flight and two ten thousand because as we come together as the body of Christ and we put our faith together, there is nothing that will by any means hurt us. We can stand against any attack. We can even change a nation, church. Listen, I could talk about the shield of faith all day. <laughs> Amen. And the helmet of salvation. Without, the, without salvation, you have no protection for your head, for your mind. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And this word here for word of God is the word rhema, which is the spoken word of God. So your, the word of God in you only becomes a weapon when you're able to use it. You can read it and have it here, but until it's here and you're able to apply it to your life and understand it, it will have very little effect. That's why the sword is the rhema word of God. Now watch, you see, the enemy will attack you and you'll have the armor and you'll be able to stand. But on a ground level for spiritual warfare, there is something that is required to take you into an offensive stance. Watch what he says. He says this. He says in verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Now I've taught you about intercession, but we need to go somewhere real quick in the Bible. Let's go, man, let's go to Matthew 17, 14. I'm going to jump to this. You have to see this. Oh. You see, the battlefield at the ground level is the mind. Because what Satan wants to do is he wants to stop you from believing what God is, who He is, and what He can do, and what He can even do through you. So He'll do whatever He can to affect how and what you believe. Watch this now. Matthew 17, 14. And when they had come to the multitude, a man came to Him, this is to Jesus, kneeling down to him and saying, Lord, have mercy on my son, for he is an epileptic and suffers severely. For he often falls into the fire and often into the water. So I brought him to your disciples. Now watch, but they could not cure him. 
Then Jesus answered and said, O faithless and perverse generation, what's the problem? They don't have the faith. In other words, it's like they didn't have enough faith or belief that they could actually cast the spirit out. (laughs) Sounds like the church today, doesn't it? Well, you know, that one's a little bit too hectic for me. You know, that one's got fangs. All right. He says, then Jesus answered and said, oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him here to me. And so Jesus rebuked the demon and it came out of him and the child was cured from that very hour. I can imagine those poor disciples, this must have been like, we were like, we, we prayed for him for an hour. We like, nothing happened. You know, Lord, you just said, come out. And that was the end of it. Why was there a difference? Yes, he's the son of God, but watch the lesson. So Jesus said to them, because of your what? Let me tell you something. If you don't believe that you've been given authority, that you've been given power, you will not have power over anything that attacks you. If you do not believe that Christ was raised from the dead and that that, that Kratos power that came out of the grave actually lives in you, you will not have the power to overcome. The problem with the church is not what we, that we believe in God. We all believe, but so do the demons, the Bible says. The problem is we do not understand that there is a greater purpose outside of getting to heaven. We are in a war and we have to usher in. Yes, we have to usher in the second coming of Christ. The church has to be involved in the battle. So now watch this, because I'm going to bring this down to the, 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 the most easy way to understand it in just a moment. Just bear with me. Ten more minutes. Is that okay? So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed. Does anybody know how big a mustard seed is? It's tiny. Just a little bit of faith. You will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. What's the context? The context is a spirit that was cast out. The mountain is a demonic entity that you can speak to and command it to move. That's the context. Now, he says this. He says, nothing will be impossible for you. If you just believe, if you just have faith, you will see breakthrough. You see, in our lives, we can see breakthrough in many areas the longer we walk with the Lord. But sometimes we just don't have that major breakthrough, that one area, that one thing that we haven't been able to see true breakthrough. What's required? Spiritual warfare. Watch what Jesus is about to say. He says this, however, This kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So there are certain forces that will come against you. Some people are like, I'm not doing that. Well, you're never going to have the victory. There are certain forces, there are certain things that you will be required to pray Sometimes that will do it on its own, and sometimes fasting too. You see, fasting doesn't 
bend on the arm of God, fasting increases your faith. You begin to humble yourself when you fast. You begin to humble yourself when you pray. And you enter into a dimension where now you're able to take authority over those things that have come against you. One more scripture and then we'll close. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse number three. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. This is spiritual warfare. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. There are words used here, strongholds, arguments, knowledge, and thoughts. These all suggest the battlefield of your mind. The enemy will attack you in your mind. And the Bible tells us that we must pull down strongholds. You have to physically take these things on. In your daily life, you'll be walking around and a suggestion, a thought will come from the enemy. You must not accept that thought. You must reject it. What do you do? Bring it to the obedience of Christ. Pull down every stronghold. The word stronghold in the Greek literally means fortress. What Satan wants to do is establish a fortress in your mind, somewhere where he's got you. He wants you to think that you must commit suicide. He wants you to think that you must end your life. He wants you to think that you'll never amount to anything. That's what he says. Listen to me, church. There are three voices that you will hear in your head. Voice number one is you. You are a person. A voice comes from a person. Right? Have you ever heard a voice come from not a person? No. God is also a person, okay? So the first voice is your voice. The second voice that you will hear is the voice of God, the Holy Spirit. He will speak to you. And the third voice will be the voice of the enemy. Well, you know, I don't hear the voice of the enemy. Jesus heard the voice of the enemy and had to choose what he would do with it. And what did he do? He brought it to the obedience of God. Are you with me? To the word. He brought it into submission of the word. Every attack that came his way, you have to do the same. You have to do the same with every suggestion that comes. And when it comes, you have to pull it down. You have to cast it down. I shared with a group on Thursday night when I was younger, I literally, when a thought came into my mind that I knew wasn't from God, I would literally pretend I'm pulling it out of my mind, chucking it on the ground and stomping on it. And it helped me, it did, it worked for me. Now, you will do this throughout the day, throughout your life, throughout your walk, but sometimes there'll be that one thing, that situation where you're just not getting breakthrough where you just seemingly, it's like you don't have the faith for that breakthrough. What do you need to do? You need to go into prayer. You need to go into warfare. Prayer, fasting, you need to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. You see, the believer has authority to speak to the mountain, like Jesus said. If you speak to the mountain, it will move. 
He said, but this kind will only come out through prayer and fasting, spiritual warfare. You have to battle. I don't have to battle. Okay. I'll battle for me and my family. Because me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I'll battle for Vero Beach. I'll battle for America. Sometimes we have to fast. Sometimes we have to pray. Sometimes we have to go the extra mile. Why? So that our faith can increase. What, what you must never forget is that the evil spirits, the demonic, evil forces, they operate with their senses because they don't have a physical body. See, taste, uh, touch, they, 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 they smell, they, they see, they, they operate with senses, especially the, these up here, like what they see and what they smell and what they hear. So when you go into your room, when all hell is broken loose against you, and you've been trying, you've been casting down, but you're not getting breakthrough. Now you say, right, I'm gonna go for one week, I'm gonna, I'm gonna fast. And every day you go into that room and you begin to pray. Listen, the enemy doesn't know everything. He doesn't know that all of a sudden your faith is increasing. He, but he sees you do it on Monday morning. Tuesday morning comes, you wake up, you go into your prayer room, you start praying some more. The devil's watching you thinking, oh no, something's happening to him. Wednesday morning comes, there you are again, busy praying and interceding. Now all of a sudden Friday comes, that thought comes again. You say, now, devil, in the name of Jesus, I take authority over you. It's time for you to go. The devil now is full of fear because he's wrecking recognizes that you understand. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This kind. Amen. So sometimes in the, at the ground level, we are required to enter into warfare. And it goes like that for your family, for your city, and for your nation as well. We can stand and we can fight in the spirit, but sometimes, like Daniel did, you have to separate yourself and go into warfare so that you can have the authority or the faith over certain kinds. Amen? All right. Let's bow our heads. Father, this morning in this place, we are so grateful for your word. So grateful for you, Lord Jesus. We know that, Lord, we are just, just human beings. The only thing that makes us different is you. You are our strength. You are our joy. You are our peace. And you are the power that helps us to overcome every force of darkness. Father, there are many of us here this morning and even those watching online. I pray, God, that we will stand, having put on the full armor of God, to face every trial and adversary and attack from the enemy. But I also know that there comes the time where we will have to stand with a posture to strike the enemy first. Intercession, warfare, things that you have given us, Lord. And the majority of it is done in prayer. So I pray, God,
that as your word says, my house shall forever be a house of prayer, that you will raise the church up in this nation and the nations of this world to stand God and declare your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I take that down to my own household. Your kingdom come, your will be done, God, in my family, in my life, God, your ways, your will, your desire, Father, your, your purpose and plan for our lives. We submit ourselves to you this morning. Father, this morning I come against every suggestion from the enemy. Lord, this morning especially, I come against suicide. I come against all forms of fear. I come against every suggestion that the enemy has tried to put against you. I cancel and break it. Recognize where it comes from the one who desires to kill, steal, and destroy. There is no one else that would do that. And so this morning, I pray, God, that you will awaken the inner man of every person Awaken us, Lord. Let the church arise in this hour. Let us be strong and courageous like you said to Joshua. Only be strong and courageous. For you will always be with us. And it's all because of you. And it's all in the name of Jesus that we can do anything. And so we honor you we love you. We worship you, Father. In Jesus' name, if I can ask you, just keep your heads bowed. If you've come here this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, my life is not right with Jesus. This morning, I need to give my heart to him. Listen, you, you're not even in the battle yet. You're already defeated until you give your life to him. So if you're here and you know your life isn't right, and you know what I'm talking about, these thoughts and suggestions and all the stuff that the enemy attacks you with. If you want to give your life to Jesus this morning, quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Amen. I see a hand in the back. God bless you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me this morning. I need to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my heart to him. There's a hand over there. God bless you, young man. Thank you so much. If you hear this morning and you say, Pastor Alex, I used to serve the Lord but I'm out, of the, I'm out of it. I'm not following him like I, like I should. My life has just gone completely astray. But this morning, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. If that's you, quickly slip your hand up and I'll include you in this prayer. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Any other hands? God bless you. Thank you so much, young man. Thank you. Anybody else say, Pastor, that's me. Include me this morning in this prayer. Quickly slip your hand up so I can pray for you. Amen. If I can ask you, if you raised your hand, quickly stand up. Quickly stand up. We want to we acknowledge you. We want to pray for you this morning. Don't be afraid. If you raised your hand, that's right. Quickly stand. Quickly stand. Come, you must stand. Don't be afraid, guys. God bless you. Listen, if you raised your hand, if you're standing, quickly come to me. I want to pray for you. Quickly come. Come. Come, young man. Come. Come, young man. Come. 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 If you raised your hand. Hallelujah. Everyone, <laughs> 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 
be my mama. It's okay. It's okay. Just be calm. We're going to help you, okay? Amen. It's okay. All right. Ask you guys, stretch your hands out towards them. This is the most important decision, guys, that you have ever made. Amen. It's a new beginning for you, hey? Amen. God bless you guys. Bless you. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you, young lady. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. If I can ask you guys in the front here, if you can, if you can just repeat this prayer with me, but I want you to pray this from your heart this morning like you really mean it. Because the Bible says if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. If you believe that he is Lord and make him Lord this morning of your life, you will be saved. And it's a new beginning for you. Let's all pray this together. Church, let's pray this together. Let's say, Father, Father, I come to you today. I I give my heart to you. I give my my life to you. I I believe believe Jesus died died and rose again. again. He is the Son of God. God. Forgive me for my sins. Wash me in your blood. Write my name in the book of life. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, fill them with peace, a new beginning. In the name of Jesus, a new beginning, a new beginning, young men. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you guys in the front, if you just, just have a look to your left over there. There's Pastor Brian over there. If you can just follow him, there's a counselor behind you. We want to pray for you and just give you some information. Just follow him over there. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you. You're going to be fine. Erin's with you. I hope this morning blessed you. Remember, I tried to do seven parts in one day. It was a little difficult, but we got through it. Amen. Did you learn something? Amen. Now be encouraged. Now take the word and execute it. Do it in your life and watch what the Lord will do. Father, I thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for your people. I ask God that you will bless us this morning as we leave this place. You surely have blessed us. We are truly grateful to you, Lord, for your word, for your life, for your love. I pray now that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that the love of the Father and the fellowship with the Holy Spirit be with each and every one of these precious people as they go their way. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and we'll see you next week.